You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hi, step parents. I am so excited to bring to you this week's episode. We have a special guest named Lex Vuko, who is a health and fitness coach, and she is a complete powerhouse. We speak in this interview, frankly, where she gives us the lowdown on the very complicated and confusing health and fitness industry, all the do's and don'ts, and really breaks down how our body responds to different foods and different practices, why it responds the way that it does, to once and for all answer all of your questions, put to rest all of the myths, and I'm just so incredibly excited for this amazing conversation. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce to you Lex Vuko. After 20 years in the health and fitness industry, Lex has created a unique program where she helps high-performing business owners who, although successful, are feeling on a verge of burnout and are not sure how to get back on track. Her unique program taps into biohacking, physical health, mental strength, etc., and helps her clients feel focused, impactful, and successful and reach their peak performance daily so that they can build their business and thrive on energy and passion day in and day out for years to come. Her passion comes from her own experience with training, mindset, and burnout. Her passion is to help others become the best version of themselves no matter where their starting point may be. In this episode, we cover what makes our relationship with food complicated, how has food changed in the last hundred years, how food impacts our emotional state, and how one can develop a healthy relationship with food. Let's roll. Lex, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you and get to pick your brain about all of the wealth of knowledge that you bring to the table around fitness and health and healthy eating and mindset around food. So to begin, I would love for you to share what is your why and how you approach your work. Hey, thanks for having me, Maria. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. My why is really, I've always been on the side of the underdog. I've always been the protector of people, which is ironically what my name means in Greek. And one of my whys is seeing so much injustice done to people when it comes to food and their health. And starting some form of movement to help change that approach to food. People are so confused about food these days and they're given so much bad advice that this is why they're struggling. You know, I don't think that the industry does a good job at all because so many people are in the business to make money and they give people, you know, diet and exercise plan, but nobody addresses the mental side of things, which is the biggest part. So that's one of my whys. Then my why in my life, in my business is always striving to be the best version of me living a fulfilled life and never having a regret on not trying something. I love that. And you're right. I agree that mindset is truly one of the fundamental things that gets in the way in everything. So I would imagine that with food and relationships with food, it's no different. That is the critical piece to change in order to obtain the best of whatever the thing is that we're pursuing has to offer. So whether it's fitness goals, whether it's healthy eating goals, or literally ways to support our actual health and well-being. 
Totally. So thank you for bringing that to light. I agree with you. I'm so excited to delve in. Could you share what makes our relationship with food complicated? And I know that I've seen some information out there around how food has changed in the last hundred years. Could you speak to both of those? Absolutely. The relationship with food is actually very complicated. And I think, again, it's not talked about enough because it's like, well, just diet. Well, what does that even mean? See, from the survival standpoint, humans are wired to survive. The only thing that our brain is primarily concerned with is survival. So what do we need to survive? We need food, we need water. We can <laughs> kind of get away without a shelter maybe, although we need it at some point, but food and water are the two most important things for us to survive. So of course, by nature, we have a complex relationship with water and food. And I'm going to dive into food right away because I think that, again, we all know we need to stay hydrated. But when it comes to food, it gets more complex because when our body goes into starvation mode, we all know the term hangry. When we are angry and hungry, just give me food or I will kill somebody. And that's one of the ways to see how complex our relationship is with food, because when we're hungry, that's the only thing that we can think about is food. And Sadly, I have to mention that with concentration camps in World War II, people were starved. And what happened was they would get out of concentration camps after the war was over and there was death by food because the people started eating and they couldn't stop eating, but their body has shut down the digestive system. And that's one of the crazy examples of what happens when we are starved and deprived and when we feel restricted for a long period of time even for a short period of time we've all been on some diets when after a while we're like going crazy want having some crazy cravings and we give in the problem is we're not taught what to do with our guilt and shame and how to deal with that and that leads into your second part of the question which is how food has changed if our relationship is this complex with just basic normal natural food which is veggies fruits and some cultures meats even grains and nuts and seeds and i'm talking about real food by nature you can only imagine how complex it gets when we're talking about this processed food that is designed to make us addicted to food to make us hungrier and to make us crave the food more because it's designed to make us a constant client per se someone that constantly buys that product someone who constantly goes for that product someone who is so addicted to that chips or that bread that they can't seem to get out of that cycle so it keeps us in the catch-22 because we're trying to survive in a way and get the basic human needs met at the same time there's a whole side of chemical and mental thing that happens when we're eating processed foods that makes us go insane when it comes to certain foods. And this is why restriction and deprivation absolutely never work. Wow. It is so powerful to hear you shed more light as to just how emotional and how emotionally interconnected and intertwined our relationship with food is. And I really appreciate that you're underscoring how processed food is designed to make us addicted because you're right. And it's so interesting on this podcast and other episodes, we've delved into those concepts of how to stay grounded and how to tune in and self-regulate. So hearing you talk about the fact that when we are intaking what we are perceiving to be fuel, it can actually have a huge impact on our ability to self-regulate whether we are able to do so effectively or not. A hundred percent. Think about the food addiction. 
you don't eat a mango and then you're like, oh my God, I have to have seven more mangoes. You have a mango, maybe you're going to have another one and you're like, okay, I'm kind of done here. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a cookie, you have to eat a whole bag and then probably go out and have another one and another one because it has that effect on us. And it literally changes how our brain functions. But the problem is people don't know this. So women especially carry so much guilt and shame over not being able to control themselves around food when they don't know it's the psychology. It goes from the moment that food touches our tongue, what happens with the hormones in our body, what happens with our brain, Processed foods that like flour and processed sugar hit the same brain part that cocaine does. And we're wow. not talking enough about this. This is wow. pure food addiction. And to that point, I'm curious, is there a rough range of time in order to detox from that if one were to do so? And I'm sure it's a more complicated process than simply abstaining, but could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It, you're right. It is a complex question, but it does start with a mindset as well. Well, one has to be really willing to change. And I always say, you know, why needs to make you cry? Like it has to be a really strong emotional reason you want to change. I want to mm -hmm. feel better. Define that. Make that so emotional for you so that you always go to, to that when it gets hard. That's mm -hmm. one thing. Second thing, I don't believe in quitting cold turkey for mm -hmm. most things, especially if someone has a complex relationship with our food that they know from the past. So what I teach people is just slowly starting to change while substituting with a healthy version. So when I work with people on nutrition, they'll want to eat something with sugar. Well, we substitute that with either local honey or mashed bananas, or we find a different substitute that actually works for them that's not having the same effect as processed sugar does on their body and their brain. And so switching things is key because you don't feel restricted or deprived. Mm -hmm. You wanna eat a cheesecake, great. I'm just gonna change a few ingredients Mm -hmm. So that I, when I do have that cheesecake, I do still enjoy the flavor, mm -hmm. right? I feel like I had it, but it's not affecting my body in the same way. My husband has a healthy pizza that he makes. There's no bloating. There's no feeling lethargic after that. There's no, of course, guilt or shame. But you can find healthy versions of literally anything that you like these days, whether it's chips, whether it's sweets, whether it's a dinner plate, whether it's pasta, there's plenty of options to slowly start switching. But I really want to underline slowly because we want to change everything in a day. We want instant gratification. We want to switch things in one day. It's a change. You need to learn to read the ingredients. You need to grocery shop differently than what you used to. You need to find the taste that works for you. And you got to give it time to figure out how that fits into your lifestyle that will over time change your lifestyle. I don't believe in, oh, I need to change my whole lifestyle. That sounds really scary to us. But mm -hmm. if you just change one thing at a time and you let it fit into your lifestyle, you're gonna stick with it. And the moment you start noticing the difference in how you think, how you feel, and then how you look, you have so much more motivation going on. And the way you're describing that process, it sounds so kind and loving that idea of showing yourself grace and holding space that it doesn't have to be a sudden 180 whirlwind lightnings going off, yeah, yeah. creating all this chaos. It can be this very slow and comfortable and nurturing process. It's beautiful. Remind me, please. Did we already address how food has changed in the last hundred years? Because I would love to hear your thoughts on that. We got to that and just a part on explaining the relationship with food. The thing about food and how much it's changed is it became poison. I'll be completely honest. It's a mm -hmm. slow killer. And 
it became so normalized slowly over time that it's completely normal to go to a movie theater, a water park, theme park, not be able to bring your own stuff in there, but you have no healthy choice. I've been to places, I'm just not going to eat anything here. I'd rather be hungry than eat this. And I had to pay $7 for water where Pepsi is unlimited refills or Coke or whatever. And it, it became so normalized that everybody's having chip, like there's aisles of chips. If you look at all the ingredients, they all have sunflower or safflower oil, sometimes even canola oil that are actually creating inflammation in the body. You can hardly find anything packaged that's known to our body. So what happens is our body can't process this well because it feels like there's an attack on the body. This is why it creates inflammation. It starts basically fighting these things right away. Toxins go straight into our fat cells and just remain there. And so it changes the way we think, it changes the way we act, it changes everything about our life because it's so slow and so gradual and because it's normalized. You're looked as an outsider when you eat health, you know, you're a health nut. If you want to go to a restaurant, you have to be careful which restaurant you go to. There's a bit of a change now again with the gluten-free and a few few options, but it's just such a slippery slope because whatever you go to grab is probably not good for you. And that's really what makes it so complex. Things that were made even 20 or 30 years ago, you had a cake, but you had a cake 20 years ago on a special occasion only. And even that butter was most likely grass fed. And that sugar was unprocessed cane sugar and eggs were from chickens that were running around doing what chickens do. Mm -hmm. Where nowadays, Eggs that you buy at the store are from chickens that never saw sunlight. You're buying butter from animals that have been tortured and not handled well, which by the way, people think it's just a moral question and it's not because if an animal lived in a stressful environment their whole life, their stress hormones were up, their adrenaline was up the whole time and the meat, milk, cheese products that we eat from that animal are full of that type of hormones connected with all the hormones that they inject them with. So when we think of milk from a hundred years ago, it was the farmer had a cow, they milked the cow, they got the milk. Now it's these factories of cows that never see daylight. It's really absolutely disgusting and disturbing what happened to the food industry. And again, like I know someone listening to this like panic mode right now. They're like, oh my God, what do we eat? Start slow, start looking into the ingredients. If you don't know what the ingredient is, if you can't read it, look it up right away. Look for things that say non-GMO, organic. Learn what that means. Take time to invest in your health. Because if we don't take time to invest in our health, we vote with our dollars. If we vote for things that are damaging to us and our children, then that's how it's going to stay. And food dyes, for example, that affect children greatly in the ADHD, and the way they act and they think, then they medicate the children because they have ADHD. Those are things that can be fixed fairly easily. Let's change, let's protest against companies that are not having our best interest at heart. When it comes to food dyes, they should be absolutely elite, but we've normalized it. So I took my kid when he was a few months old to a doctor for a checkup and he was upset. He didn't like the doctor. And she gave him a little lollipop after he was leaving. And I'm like, my kid is not having sugar full, you know, candy full of colors, but it's like 
so normalized that even at the doctor's office, you can get stuff like that as a gift or 20 years ago, you had a cake, but you had it maybe once a week or in special occasion. Nowadays, I can have a cake after each meal. And it's not a problem. The food also became readily available, but it's not the food that nurtures our body. I hear you point to things that we've talked about here before towards intentional living and how most importantly in our food, we need to bring that concept to life. But I agree with you about the normalization. And moreover, I feel like it is such an overwhelming task just to educate myself in order to try and make the best decisions for myself and my family, because you're right, it's become way too complicated. And there's so many loopholes in language and clever insinuating that something is healthy when in fact it's not when we dig deeper and it's becoming a really time consuming and complicated process that's tricky to navigate unless you like yourself are an expert on food and know exactly what to look for and even know probably the latest trends of how they are to slip under the radar of those who are trying to be savvy and are trying to live a healthy lifestyle. And you're right about this idea of the negative connotation that someone is a health nut and it's always met with an eye roll. And that's so terrible when in fact we could all take a page because just like what you were saying, we take this care And the self-help industry is huge right now and exploding with different ways that we can nurture ourselves and our children with anxiety and depression because they really are seemingly exploding, or maybe it's just our awareness of them is exploding at the moment. And we're trying to take these leaps forward with how to nurture ourselves and burnout and these different things. But we fail to recognize that the fuel that we are taking into our bodies, just like what you said, when these animals are not being treated well, and they are full of toxic hormones that are at much higher levels, and we're ingesting them, then through that, we are also receiving the same effect as if our body was producing them. And all of that is throwing off the balance that we naturally need in our bodies to feel at our best, be at our best and produce at our best. So I appreciate that you are bringing all of these very important things to light. How can someone have and develop a healthy relationship with food. I know we've touched on some of this, but could you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. So first thing again, never feel restricted or deprived. That's like, it's the key. You should also never allow yourself to go into starvation mode, meaning if someone wants to do a fasting or something like that, and they wait too long to have food, it's not good. Once again, we have hormones in our body that kick in, that makes us eat and unable to stop eating. And so that's one thing is keep in mind, you should never feel restricted or deprived. Two, change the words. When you want to change the way you eat and someone offers you, let's say your favorite cheesecake, instead of saying, I can't have that, which is extremely disempowering and is taking the power away from you and putting it on whoever told you, you cannot eat that. You say, thanks. I just don't, I don't want to eat that right now. Change can't to don't. But if you really, really, really want it, then go ahead and have it and enjoy it at that moment. The worst thing that we do is carry guilt and shame. What happens in our brain when we feel guilt and shame about our food choices is we activate the reward center in our brain, meaning we have the need to immediately reward ourselves, which is why we want to go for one cookie. We feel guilt and shame already. We're just going to go for the second one, guilt and shame, and it's this catch-22 cycle. So when you want something, you go ahead and you have it and you enjoy it guilt-free because that one thing will not disturb anything that you've been working on. Then later on, you can evaluate and say, 
put the emotions inside and just evaluate. How did my day go? How did my week go? Evaluating without the emotions, just using logic and then tweaking to what can I learn from that? What can I do better to prepare? There's many techniques on how to do this and different things work for different people, which is what I coach my particular clients on because they have to find what works for them long term. And the third thing is slowly getting away from processed foods and switching to foods that are natural to us, that are nature made. So finding things that are your favorite and then slowly switching the ingredients so that you still enjoy your pizza, you still enjoy your pasta, you still enjoy your favorite meals. You just have quality ingredients in them, which have completely different effects on your body. And then really just give it time. You got to give it time. You got to change the inner bully. We became bullies to ourselves. And we're okay with that. And we think that in some way, it's like helping us to bully ourselves. It never works. So what you need to do is also start being aware of your thoughts and say, whenever you catch yourself being bullied, being seeing something negative, something that you would never tell somebody else in the same situation, just switch that thought to something positive. And even with that said, takes time. You're going to switch one thought at a time. The old thinking patterns are going to keep showing up, but it's on you to stay consistent and switch one thing at a time and keep working on the mental side of things. Your thoughts eliminate processed foods and then without the emotion, evaluate. How did my week go? How did my trip go? What were my triggers? What can I do better next time in that same situation? Yeah, I love that. What I'm hearing a lot that you seem to be pointing to is this concept that I call tuning in. So being mindfully observant of what were the needs? Did they get met? How could they have gotten met and still remain aligned with one's values and goals, as well as where could different choice have been made or what else might have been needed to feel nurtured and supported along the process, which, which yes. I really love. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you notice anything that I mentioned is taking the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a saying when the emotions go up, the intelligence goes down and you've not, you're never going to see an emotional intelligent person like being at the <laughs> same time, both. It just doesn't happen. But what happens is we allow our emotions to control us. And mm. where has it gotten us? Not where we want to go. So how about we change it? And we start and saying, okay, I got you. I acknowledge you. I see you anger, but let me think about this from a different perspective so that we never get into this situation again. So yeah. taking emotion out is huge. Yeah, I agree with you. I do also like that in some of how you shared that you approach this with your clients, what my takeaway was, was that it's a journey. And so being kind to yourself and allowing the journey to happen, because in reality, we're humans and we're only meant to be about, I think, 80% effective because we're not machines. So we might have little trip ups and hiccups here and there and showing ourselves kindness. It doesn't have to be like, oh, wow, well, everything's out the window now. I failed. That's not mm -hmm. a kind way to think of it, which a lot of us who are our generation and older probably had some of that. They remember from childhood or at some point, maybe from a teacher or from some sort of a caregiver person in their lives or somebody who was in an influencer type of capacity. And those harsh words aren't helpful. They're not beneficial. And like you had pointed out earlier, they don't lead to results. 
So mm-hmm. it's high time to get rid of that. And again, though, understanding that change is not going to happen overnight. It takes time and it takes intentionality and mindfulness just to even observe when we have these thoughts and they're not serving us and to change them to something else that maybe acknowledges something, but helpful way and certainly in a less damaging way. So I love that full of opportunities and looking for opportunities and moving slowly towards what would feel better. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope that you found this conversation with Lex incredibly enlightening as I did. It was actually such a fantastic conversation that we ended up going into part two, which will be released for you guys next week. So be sure to stay tuned and tune in to get those nuggets. I would so love to hear from you about how it's going so far. What are some of your favorite episodes? What themes and things are coming up for you in your lives on your step parenting journeys and blended family journeys? I would love to continue to be a resource and make sure that I am providing valuable content. So please drop me a line. You can reply to the emails for those of you who have subscribed. You can also feel free to find me on LinkedIn or Facebook and just shoot me a DM or feel free to email me at maria at synergisticstepparenting.com anytime. I'm always happy to hear from you and would really love to hear really any questions that you might have or any topics you would like to hear me discuss on the show. Thank you again, my friends, and I hope you have a fantastic week. Until next time, be well. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. Don't know how? Don't worry. We'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John.